podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Armchair Cricket Podcast. This is a podcast focusing on test cricket by Armchair Critics of the Game. We would like to thank all our listeners for their support. Um, please subscribe to our uh, podcast on whichever platform you're listening to us on, be it uh, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify or anything like that. You can look for Armchair Cricket Podcast and you should be able to find us quite easily on any of these platforms. Um, do not forget to leave us a rating, preferably a five-star rating, and also share your feedback in the comment section. You can reach out to us by email with your feedback on armchair.cricket at gmail.com. We also have a Twitter handle. Our Twitter handle is at armchaircrickpod. Uh, you can join us there for a banter whenever there is a match ongoing. Uh, it should be fun. We also have a Facebook page. Uh, you can find a link to this in our description uh, below. Uh, we regularly post quizzes and posts uh, on Twitter as well as on Facebook. So you can uh, you know, participate and have some fun. Um, having said that, I would like to welcome uh, my co-host Ajit. Hi Ajit, how are you doing? Hello Giri, good evening. I'm doing good. How about you? Fine as well, uh, hectic uh, work. Uh, work week this uh, this time round and uh, just you know settling down for the weekend. <laughs> of course. Of course. Um, yeah, there's a lot of things going on in cricket world right now, especially with the IPL. Um, but you know we we try to follow IPL as much as I can, but I think it's uh, it's sometimes a bit too much for me because it's every day, right? So yeah, yeah. Look, I mean uh, we can't always you know expect to keep following all the matches. Well, we do. Mm -hmm. For most mm -hmm. of it, but at least uh, this becomes a bit of a you know uh, too much of a touring uh, you know circus mm -hmm. or some such at some <laughs> point in time for me. So yeah. I have to switch off. So when possible, I listen to some gorilla cricket commentary or something. I can't watch the matches, but well, there were a couple of interesting matches this week. I think we can get into it shortly. Mm -hmm. So before we go into that, let's look, quickly look at the trivia question from the last week. So the trivia question from last week was uh, who is the fastest bowler in men's ODI cricket to get to 100 ODI wickets? So we had a couple of uh, attempts at answering this question by our friends online, but nobody got the answer right. That was a bit of a surprise. I had a guess. Uh, I saw a guess, I think, which was Vasim Akram. Somebody guessed Vasim Akram. Somebody else uh, guessed Mitchell Stark. The Mitchell Stark one was a very close one because Mitchell Stark is the second fastest Mm -hmm. with 52 matches. But the player who did it in just 44 matches and indeed is currently the fastest to get to 100 ODI wickets is the Afghanistani leg spinner, Rashid Khan. You know, we call him ODI GOAT, our greatest of all time, right? Mm -hmm. So this guy is, is a certified great in short format cricket. And really to achieve 100 ODI wickets in a mat matter of 44 matches at more than, you know, you could almost say two and a half wickets a match. This is, this is mm -hmm. quite an enormous achievement. Mm -hmm. Look, he may have played initially many of his matches against Afghanistan and uh, before Afghanistan, but against Ireland, 
and some of the lesser uh, you know uh, famous or lesser strong odi teams but that really doesn't take away anything from his achievement because he yeah. also represents an equally upcoming nation right yeah yeah and if you look at if you look at his record i mean it's it's really an envious one because um he has if you look at the number of five fours he has for example in one days mm-hmm. right that really shows his pedigree so he has four five fours and four four fours and his best is seven for 18 and the most stark thing about this or the most starkly visible thing about it is he has his average is 15 15 wow. runs a wicket wow that that is what i'm talking about at an economy of 3.9 so when you couple all this mm-hmm. now right now he stands at 123 wickets from just 57 matches mm-hmm. he was a, a star also in the recent uh, one day series that they played against uh, ireland right in uh, mm-hmm. india that we discussed mm-hmm. in the previous episodes mm-hmm. when you look at all this i mean this is still a very enviable record any any team would love to have him as <laughs> their you know strike bowler and he's he's only 20 years old let's not forget well, that uh, <laughs> might be an afridi 20 at least people laugh at it online no. right? it might be an afridi like 20 but look for me it doesn't matter or for you or any any one of us age is just a number right these people the people from this part of the world are very strong misbah ullah has shown his afridi has shown it right mm. so age is just a number there and they get on with it and uh, he could you know he could very well stand to break every odi bowling record there is Right? Yeah, he's yeah, cool. he's true. He's a true match winner. Uh, in any case, I think he wins matches for them with his bowling. Exactly. Uh, and he's also, you know, he's not, he's no mug with a bat, so he also contributes with a bat. So he's he's really a very good player for Afghanistan and someone to, you know, uh, look out for in this uh, World Cup. I think mm-hmm. he's going to make a difference in their team. Indeed. He's already doing that, of course. I think it will it will probably be more pronounced when we see him play in uh, the prestigious tournament. Exactly. I mean, he'll want to make a splash because it's the first ODI World Cup his team is playing. He'll want to make an impact there, and also not to forget, because of his uh, you know T20 exploits all over the world. Yeah. Some of these conditions might not be really unique to him, or they might yeah. not be completely new. He he would say, well, we've played here. I've played here. So he might even use his a bit of his experience to help his teammates and sh- lead the from the front. You know. and he might also know how a certain batsman plays you know with with exactly. uh, with this t20 experience that he has around the world i think uh, he's probably <laughs> i think he's better prepared than uh, many of his uh, countrymen of course yeah. Yeah. you know him and mohammad nabi probably lead the way there they mm. they they played with some of these other big stars from the other teams and maybe they have some you know tips and tricks for their teammates Cool. So, when we discussed it last week, we went into it, right? They, as a yeah. team, they may not fare well, but you never know. With these people in the team, they may cause enough headaches for the opposition that, you know, some of these matches might go down to the wire, right? Yeah, and some teams might choke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, as I said, I was a bit over the top optimistic, but I mean, I'll still stick to that, right? Uh, and yeah. let's see, let's see what uh, the World Cup has to bring for Afghanistan. But all in all, they're a very exciting team, and this guy leads is the spear tip. so to say right? yeah yeah going into the world cup all right now let's move to the next section let's look at some of the you know ipl highlights so here uh, we are really not interested in discussing every match we are not interested in, in we are we are not really going into match by match situation of the ipl because as we sort of discussed we are still uh, test match fans but mm-hmm. there were some very interesting events that we would it would be amiss on our part if we did not discuss this this was some of the feedback our listeners and our friends uh, from all over the world they also pointed out that it we would be amiss if you were to not pick up on these points right they yeah. have sort of 
some impact also in the uh, bigger cricketing mm. no scene so let's go through some of these so two of these events today so we have three such events so two of these would be related to the mankad dismissal right so would you like to introduce the first one giri or shall i i think maybe i'll do it you do so, it yeah uh, so we know that you know uh, in the match versus uh, rajasthan royals mm. right ashwin mankad um uh, josh butler right as a result of that uh this meant that uh, well he changed the course of the match let's first talk about it that way that mm-hmm. for him to actually mankad butler who was sort of backing up so in this in the you know in the rules of the cricket he was right ashwin was right to run out or mankad butler so first of all what is mankading you know i think all our friends know about it but if i were to just quickly discuss what mankading is mankading is running the batsman out on the non striker by a bowler who decides that the batsman is trying to take an undue advantage by backing up too far before the ball is delivered right if the mm-hmm. batsman is run out on the bowler's end by a bowler who yeah. before he delivers the ball realizes that the uh, batsman is taking an undue advantage is running too far or backing mm-hmm. up too far he can run the batsman out so yes. this is sort of this falls under the spirit of the cricket thing rather than yeah. you know the rule says he can run out he can run the batsman out so mm-hmm. but in this case when you look at the replay of what happened right yeah. it it was clear that josh butler was really not looking to take advantage of uh, by running too far up ahead or backing up too far but yeah mm-hmm. ashwin seemed to run him out this this seemed instinctive he says so ashwin's this uh, you know point is he was, it was this instinctive he was running up mm-hmm. to the crease and he saw that josh butler was out of the crease and he ran him out uh-huh. what do you yeah. think Well <laughs> well it was instinctive on his part that's what he said uh, Ashwin but if you look at the replays i think we saw it a few times already um Ashwin i think had no intention of delivering that ball um he he ran up to the crease you know he took his leap and then in the middle of his leap or even before his leap he was looking at butler and how far he was you know out of his crease or whether he already stepped out of the crease um and just ran him off i think Ashwin probably had planned this out but uh it although he says it was instinctive uh, I think he I don't know if he is being fully truthful about it uh, but if that's what he says fine that's his opinion he's entitled to his opinion but it was not in my in my eyes I don't think it was uh, instinctive at all I think it was preplanned and um yeah and and I think Ashwin is this is not the first time that Ashwin has tried this Uh, right i think the, you mentioned offline about uh, ashwin trying to run out another batsman i don't know which uh-huh. batsman it was in the past and then uh, his captain then uh, he, this was when he was playing for indian cricket team indian odi team uh-huh. his captain was uh, in fact virendra sehwag so his sehwag was standing in for dhoni yeah. uh, and sehwag actually withdrew the appeal right so it, saying it was not within the spirit of the game um, exactly. so what do you think about this do you see it the same way as i do <laughs> well i mean you sort of covered what i would want to say as well it did look like there was there may be some amount of thinking about it beforehand mm. so there are enough circumstantial evidences to point out that you know the way mm. he came up to bowl and he he may have noticed it a couple of balls before but the gentlemanly thing about it would have been to warn butler but when you look at what happened if ashwin were to deliver normally it it looked like um mm-hmm. you know um maybe he was sort of 
uh, already giving a warning to butler would have made sense but yeah. this guy sort of waited <laughs> so if you look at mcc's ruling on this if you were to go back on 27th of uh, march i think mcc gave a ruling saying that yeah. this was probably not within the spirit of cricket but it spirit of cricket is always open to interpretation right so nobody can give a definite ruling on it because it happened in the moment and it's it we have to move on from it so on 26th mcc said this was within the spirit of cricket ruling then they sort of went back on it just a day after that on 27th and they said ashwin probably paused too long and therefore mm-hmm. it does not fall within the spirit of cricket the yeah. dismissal but the point is it it happened right and spirit of cricket is not something that can be ruled upon it is something that people can give an opinion on so mm-hmm. even the manager from mcc the person who sort of gave an interview about it said the law 41.16 which is the spirit of cricket law said that i'd rather not go into the law let let's yeah. skip this part but i would only say that according to them ashwin claimed it was instinctive and they said well it could be instinctive but according to them butter was not taking undue advantage so mcc themselves did a flip two days within two days right yeah. and then they say that maybe it was uh, not the most savorable in, you know incident in international cricket for them right but he has set a precedent now no he has not well i can tell you this guy is a repeat offender if i may use this word because mm-hmm. you are absolutely right in 2012 paranavitana was the sri lankan batsman mm-hmm. and he ran him out and then his skipper uh, was shavag and i think it was more sachin tendulkar who sort of was vehement that maybe they shouldn't continue with the appeal and shavag listened to the senior pro in the mm-hmm. team and withdrew his appeal right and then i think the umpires also sort of with the body language are indicating do you really want this appeal to go on if you look at that incident there are uh, replays of this available on youtube maybe we can post it also in our episode notes or tweet it mm. out on twitter or you know put it out on twitter or tweet it out so mm. for example um the, you were recalling another incident offline weren't it so, weren't you so it was this um, kapil dev who sort of gave a warning to i think he gave two yeah. warnings i see uh, to I peter kerson it probably was not in the same match i think i was uh-huh. watching this uh, panel talk uh, by uh, ajay jadeja mm-hmm. uh, the other day and then he was mentioning this that ajay jadeja was also part of the team then uh, which toured uh, south africa back in 91 92 um, and apparently kapil dev had given them uh, given peter kerson a warning two times in the previous two matches or something like that and then the coach back then uh, i think it was ajit wadekar if i'm not wrong um mm-hmm. he, he th- this was already discussed in the team meeting before kapil dev ran him out so kapil dev right. was initially not interested to do this he said it's not good it's not in within the spirit of the game i don't want to do this yep. but they were insistent uh, saying that no uh, this is you know he's kind of a repeat offender he's leaving his crease way too early and you should warn him and they warned him two times and then the third time uh, kapil actually ran him out so it kind of set a precedent back then uh, but i don't think any not a, a lot of players uh, actually tried this afterwards mm-hmm. and it's only resurfaced now with uh, you know with uh, <laughs> with uh, ravichandran ashwin um, mm-hmm. he has a bit i think he is more talented with his bowling than with these things uh, he yeah he he is also very eloquent the way mm-hmm. he you know uh, handles this and yes. I, i have to mention one more thing matthew hayden said if you uh, if you are ready to do these kinds of things you should also have a very thick skin so mm-hmm. he he won't mm-hmm. care i guess he won't care at the no, end he won't. he won't so he will probably do it again given the chance uh, but on this occasion he was the captain of the team so 
no one else could withdraw the appeal you know on on his behalf so so the the, the appeal was from the captain and and it basically stuck and then uh, Josh Butler was out right. so yeah so well i mean it's, it's, if you were to look at the some one such other event this was in the 87 world cup where walsh you know i was looking up this highlight, highlights on the youtube at some other point in time and i remember this that walsh in that it was a crucial match between pakistan and west indies and uh, salim jafar the uh, pakistani batsman was sort of backing up so walsh comes in to deliver the ball but he just stands there mm. and he just looks at the batsman he doesn't run him <laughs> out but that's his way of warning him and after that i think you know they moved on that uh, salim jafar wouldn't do that again right so there are different ways in which you know you could you could have handled the situation ashwin but he chose to run him out this is fine right yeah, yeah. and then um, there are other instances also as you said but it it always leaves a bad uh, taste in the mouth because josh butler himself was once run out by a sri lankan player wasn't it mm. uh, in a one day and it was also a very crucial point in time it was in 2016 or 2017 if i remember in a one day josh butler himself was run out by a sri lankan player and then that led to probably england losing the match or some such so it's always sort of one of those you know even though it sort of is governed by the spirit of cricket it it is very open to interpretation for example in today's match mm-hmm. uh, i think krunal pandya had a chance to run out uh, today's ipl match i meant right mm-hmm. today's ipl match between kings 11 punjab and mumbai indians right mm-hmm. i think krunal pandya had a chance to run out uh, mayank agarwal but i think he chose to warn mayank agarwal rather than run him out this was mm-hmm. happening in the 10th over of the match and mm-hmm. it, it sort of the match was on the knife's edge uh, there if mayank agarwal would have been dismissed because kl rahul was not really able to bat really well i think that would have put a lot of pressure on uh, mm-hmm. kings 11's batting but then i think krunal pandya did the right thing and just warned him and then that's they moved on from that right? yeah so sometimes yeah. this is the right approach you feel but look for me mm-hmm. as long as it is a part of the game if some player were to take advantage of it you can't really blame that player it it can be called gamesmanship at worst yeah. but it's still within the rules of the law yeah right? yeah, yeah yeah that's what that's how it happens actually so yeah, as a result mm-hmm. uh, you would say you you can't blame the player there so yeah i think it 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 uh, in the heat of the moment thing i think this is one of those uh, and We, we i think we probably should move on because it's it's a quite spicy topic and we'll we we can talk about it for you know hours at length um right. so I there think. was one other incident i think there's another highlight which uh-huh. took our uh, you know which which basically came into our attention uh, was the no ball uh, so rcb were playing this match against uh, mumbai indians at uh, bangalore uh-huh. and um, rcb lost out you know? there was a very close game and uh, ab devilliers was still there till the end but they lost out by a very small margin like five or six runs the the talking point here was that the last delivery which was uh, i think bowled by was it bumrah no it was not bumrah no, no, malinga it was malinga yeah sorry yeah. yeah it was malinga and the last delivery that malinga bowled was a no ball Uh, and the umpire on field umpire uh, mr sundaram ravi did not take notice of this um it it was uh, rcb needed something like six or seven runs of the last ball and then they couldn't get a boundary or a six out of that and the the, the player shook hands and then walk out, walked off the field only to realize or that mm-hmm. it was a no ball i think it was probably showed on the giant screens that it was a no ball but because the ball was dead you know that the players had walked off the field uh it could not be uh, reversed so that was that was the end of the match and uh, virat kohli the captain of rcb uh, expressed his displeasure uh, 
uh, of not using technology when it's available, like the third umpire overruling this, uh, you know, uh, on-field mm-hmm. decision without actually needing a prompt right. uh, from the on-field umpires. So. I think Kohli was not pleased at all. He he was quite vocal about his uh, you know uh, his unhappiness uh, about the way this was handled. Uh, but in the end, you know, it's it's an umpiring error. So, did you, are you a fan of this? You know, using technology preemptively. Yes, I mean, frankly speaking, the, both the captains were critical. I think Rohit Sharma also mm-hmm. felt you know the third umpire's intervention could have made the match more exciting. You know, as you said, with six balls, uh, six runs to win of the last ball, a single was bunted. That meant. You know, a sing, um, that would have been two runs, no ball and a single. So, mm. that would have brought Gaby De Villiers back on strike with one yeah. ball and four runs to win. That would have been a fantastic finish to the match, right? That's one thing. Mm. But if you look at it from a, just a ruling perspective or how rules can help, if there is a third umpire who can look at these things and all he has to do is prompt his colleague who's on the field. Sundaram Ravi might have missed it in the heat of the moment. Look, even Sundaram Ravi is under pressure on that ball because it's a crucial ball, isn't it? So, yeah. maybe he missed out. So, if you were to move on from that, uh, the third umpire could have simply quickly told him, wait, 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 don't call it end of the over. That's all he had to do. I'm reviewing the third, I'm reviewing the you know, no ball call, wait, wait, don't call it end of the, so, you know, when the guy is giving the cap, the umpire is giving the cap mm-hmm. and calling the end of the match and removing the bails. If that was prevented, it could have still been in play. The ball would have been yeah. in play, the match would, could have gone out. That's all was required. So, in these situations, mm-hmm. Maybe uh, taking common sense into account, if the third umpire were to intervene, as you say, proactively or mm. preemptively, it would help. And maybe the, de- the decision would not have gone against Mumbai Indians or maybe Bangalore would not have won the match. I mean, I'm mm. as much of a fan of Bangalore as I was. I am in this case. Mm. Right? We have enough memes these days. You know, the yeah. meme about uh, Elidiapa Nikhil, <laughs> Nikhil has yeah. now been uh, uh, disabused. Anywho, coming back to this, Look, the way Bangalore had come back into this match probably really made it really uh, sort of... Um, they had left a bad taste in their mouth and made them very angry. They were sort of dead and buried with 61 runs of 30 balls. ABD Williams brought them back into the match yeah. and they finished it off. So hence yeah. this frustration from Kohli is how I look at yeah, it. Yeah, but, but one more thing. I mean, uh, this no ball, uh, I think they should probably make it, uh, you know, a, a normal uh, procedure. Uh, for you know to to have the third umpire review every delivery, I don't know how much time it takes and how much of the resources they need to use. No, it, it it not just talking much. about the context of IPL, but also world cricket in general. Okay. Um, how difficult would it be to just review a delivery? Because they now do it whenever the umpire is not sure, uh, the mm-hmm. on-field umpire is not sure after a dismissal. Mm-hmm. Uh, why why not do it every delivery? Agreed. So, look, this is exactly a discussion I read online on Twitter where Dean Jones packed this exact theory what you put forward. So, right. Dean, J- uh, Dean Jones said, take the no-ball call out of the on-field umpire's hands. No-ball off the front foot. Let the um, umpire concentrate on looking at where the ball is going, LBWs, other things, right? Mm. Let the third umpire, let him always look at the foot of the bowler that is delivering. Let him not yeah. do anything else. Because yeah. the third umpire does nothing else. He comes into call only after the event for everything else, correct? Yeah. Make him responsible for a no-ball call. Simple. Yeah. This is yeah. what Dean Jones felt on Twitter. And I sort of agree with him. This might be the way we might be moving forward. But on the other hand, if the uh, powers that be are not comfortable about completely removing the third umpire's uh, or maybe th- the on-field umpire's role, mm. why don't you introduce something like what is done in Wimbledon or one of those uh, tennis venues where there is a beep every time the ball crosses. the. La- I mean, the ball does not land in the right area. 
Right. So let there be a loud beep. Mm-hmm. Then that's enough. Let the on-field umpire concentrate on what's going to happen when the ball is going to come in contact with the mm-hmm. batsman or it's yeah. going to pass the batsman, right? Yeah. Let there be a loud beep, then the batsman knows. The concept of a no-ball, historically, is that the umpire is supposed to call it out loud so that the batsman is able to take advantage of that ball. Mm. You could still do it in multiple ways. So yeah, I think, you, yeah. I think you hit the nail right on the head there. Uh, uh-huh. This should be looked at uh, you know, for, for the long term as well, uh, for the betterment of the game. I think we have the technology, why not use it? Right. So shall we move on to the other topic then, Ajit? I think yes, we spent quite a bit of time, more than we actually planned on IPL, because I think was, these were very, uh, I think, key issues as well, not just mm-hmm. um, an off event. But uh, okay. uh, let, let's move on to the uh, ODI series that was played between uh, Pakistan and uh, Australia. So the, mm-hmm. we, while between our previous episode and this episode, there were three ODIs mm-hmm. that were played. Um, the first one at Sharjah. The next one at Abu Dhabi and the latest one was at Dubai. Right. Um, Australia were leading 1-0 at the beginning of the series. Uh, <laughs> and they basically won the next three ODIs as well. So now they lead the series by four games to zero, four matches to zero, mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. the last one to play for. Um, um, so at Sharjah, Australia won by four wickets with three overs to spare. Uh, Pakistan had set them a target of 284 runs. Um, yeah. With help from Mohamed Rizwan, who is standing in for... Uh, Safras Ahmed mm-hmm. as the keeper batsman. So he scored a century. Um, so uh, Australia made uh, you know uh, short work of that. They were quite good with their batting. In the next match, Abu Dhabi, um, Australia set a kind of a modest target of 267 um, and were able to defend that uh, with a lot of ease. So, so Pakistan was not there uh, in the end. The batting did not click. Mm-hmm. In the latest that was played at Dubai, um, Shoaib Malik, who was actually standing in for uh, Sarfraz Ahmad as a captain, was out injured. So uh, Imad Wasim was, uh, you know, uh, he played, he, he uh, took on the captain's role. Um, Australia set a target, batting mm-hmm. first, of 278 runs. Right. And... Uh, Pakistan were, you know, uh, agonizingly short, short towards the end. They, they fell short by six runs mm-hmm. in spite of twin centuries by a 31-year-old debutant, uh, uh, Abid Ali, and uh, Mohammad Rizwan scoring his second century of this series. So it was very agonizing in the end for Pakistan, but Australia were able to defend uh, a score of uh, 278 runs. And in the end, 4-0. That's it. Uh, everything well, to play for. nothing to play for in the last ODI but it's just pure match practice I guess before well uh, pride I think Pakistan will not want to lose this match uh, so that they don't give up a whitewash final and mm. Australia will definitely want to focus on this so mm. there is an interesting article already on Quick Info where uh, Maxwell Glenn Maxwell is saying how important winning final is for Australia because they're really on the upsurge so if you look at it um, you know uh, mm. they're more like uh, it's been such an upsurge that they, they might win eight matches on the bounce, right, if they take the last mm. match. Mm. And also, multiple parts of Australian cricket team are clicking. The opening conundrum is solved very nicely, right? Mm. It, you can't think of anybody else opening for Australia in the World Cup now except Juan no. Khwaja and Aaron Finch, right? Yes. I was listening to it and Aaron Finch, his 359 runs before the 4th ODI already, made him the most successful captain in a bilateral ODI series in the history of Australian mm. cricket, one-day cricket, right? So it's fantastic. So he yeah. sort of nailed on his form going into the World Cup. And then Usman Khwaja has sort of more or less 
made sure he'll be the opener going into the world cup because he's he has enough pedigree and enough technique right so that way we can make sure that um, australia are not having too many things up in the air when they are going to play the final round of matches right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's one thing so the other thing well for me uh, the crucial point was also how mohammad rizwan the stand up or the stand in keeper right mm-hmm. as has done he scored 200s so yeah. well we can just look at the last match a bit more in detail the fourth one because it was a real disappointment for yeah. me the first two matches uh, pakistan were looking to defend a total they failed to do that where i mean there was quite a lot of discussion points where uh, if you go into it in detail it'll take a lot of time so let's not do that but if you were to look at it some of uh, shoaib malik's captaincy came in for a bit of criticism Mm. there were not there was not enough spontaneity that people felt it was all planned out by the coach and him in a meeting and he sort of was executing it there was not enough you know uh, creativity there that was one of the things but always i would credit shoaib malik as a very creative captain that was sort of missing maybe you know and the other thing here uh, what glen maxwell is able to deliver right uh, he is always delivering in all of these matches uh, so he made 71 in the fourth match and 98 in the fifth match he was really unlucky to miss out on 100 on both those matches and the lower middle order of australia is sort of beginning to click stoinis has had a very quiet sort of a tour but uh, carry and maxwell have always made sure australia finished strongly they finish on 260 plus or 270 plus in the fourth and the fifth match and they defend it so their bowling is coming through beautifully the spin twins lion and jampa are working very really well mm-hmm. right and up front nathan colter lion nile had a very good match both fourth and fifth matches mm-hmm. so all of these are really nice for australia so as i said multiple parts are clicking in for yeah. pakistan i think they missed uh, shoaib malik in the fourth match because with you know 60 runs required of 53 balls and two centuries at the crease from mm-hmm. that point to lose it that was very unfortunate and very sad to see that because umar akmal saad ali imad wasim were the people the middle and the lower middle orders were supposed to take it through and one of those centurions had to stay so they both got yeah. out very close to each other that was not good right but abid ali who debuted in the fourth match scored 100 on debut so that was very well done to him so uh, but overall i think pakistan will want to take a hard look at what's going wrong here but they have more matches coming up that's why this is like a b team we already discussed this in the previous uh, mm-hmm. episode but nonetheless they will not want to give up a final victory to australia with all the boxes of australian you know players getting ticked and all the things that they wanted to sort out more or less getting sorted out so mm-hmm. uh, it's all to play for i would say you're right right mm-hmm. all right uh, if you want to move on uh, we can look at uh, our next most important uh, let's say section here so this is the world cup uh, 2019 preview so as we already do it we bring one new team and we discuss their chances and their team and so on so in today's episode we would like to look at the bangladesh team right yeah. so in the previous episode we already discussed about uh, afghanistan so when we look at bangladesh quickly well i mean bangladesh has been a sort of a very mercurial team right over the last couple of years or so their odi uh, team is growing in maturity and we can see that right but if you want to look at their odi performances uh, in the world cups so i'll just quickly highlight some of their numbers and some of their achievements and what not so they have played in five world cups so far they have played every world cup from 1999 right so basically if i were to just take a quick look at their performances in each world cup right so in the 99 world cup they were led by aminul islam they played five matches they won two and lost three and then in the 2003 world cup this is probably the most disappointing world cup for them because they played under khalid mashood 
and they though they played six matches they failed to secure even a single victory they lost five and they had one no result which was rained out and then in coming to the 2007 world cup was probably one of their most you know important world cups even though they didn't win many matches but they actually won two very important matches so in 2007 under habibul bashar uh, in the world cup that was played in the west indies if you remember or uh, you know they actually um, in south africa i meant they won three matches and they lost six but as you can see their percentage of wins is keep on growing in the 2011 world cup partially they were led by shakib ul hasan who was then injured a bit later and then mushrafe murtaza took over but uh, having played seven matches they won three and lost four so the win percentage is keep on increasing so if you look at 2007 they had 33% win uh, record in 2007 it grew to 42 in 2015 when they played the world cup they were under uh, mushrafe murtaza's captaincy they played there they won three matches and lost two so the win percentage is now 60 so and every time they played even though they were playing in australia and new zealand they played with such a lot of maturity that they pushed their opposition in every match this was very clear so when we look at their overall world cup record they have played 33 matches they have won only 11 matches but lost 20 but you can see this is a upswing there is a certain upswing in the trend and uh, if you look at their last you know couple of matches in the world cups they nearly uh, forced new zealand all the way up to the brink and even their best performance which was uh, them getting to the quarter final of the 2015 world cup they pushed india really hard but then india won the match with uh, rohit sharma scoring a 137 i don't know if you remember this match kiri because there were some other uh, things happening off the pitch because uh, i think uh, the then chief of icc who was a bangladeshi right kamal mustafa uh, took objection to rohit sharma getting dismissed of a full toss which they deemed to be a no ball but which was not given they decided mm-hmm. and he resigned from his post so it had some on field ramifications that's by the way but if we come to the on the pitch performances right uh, their most successful player has been shakib ul hasan it has been yeah. undoubtedly him because yes. both the most number of wickets was 21 matches and 23 wickets for shakib ul hasan right mm-hmm. and the most number of runs is also 540 again shakib ul hasan in 21 matches the averages in both bowling and batting are not much to write home about but then he is a talisman for them he's been over the yeah. years right now um, their lowest total was 58 that was very unfortunate because they were playing at home at dhaka against west indies <laughs> 11 world cup this was their lowest total and their highest total was in the last world cup in the 2015 mm-hmm. world cup they comfortably won against scotland when they made 322 for 4 right Mm. so all this when you look at it you can see there is a clear upswing in their fortunes and if you look at their performances in the last two years you can see even though they are playing abroad or whether they are playing at home they are always challenging their opposition and many times winning the matches abroad as well so this shows when they play in england they'll have something to say about it they will not simply subside without playing really much much of a you know much of a contest they will be in the in the in the game as far as i am concerned right mm-hmm. so now if we were to quickly look at their players the some of the players that have been representing you know bangladesh in the recent times you could take our cue from which one of these players could be in the squad right so i would probably quick take a quick look at the last odi they have played so far this is the third odi of the new zealand uh, bangladesh bilateral odi series mm-hmm. right so yep. giri what what are your thoughts on this what would you think is the bangladesh um, team competition? i think in that last match they played against uh, new zealand um uh-huh. shakib ul hasan was missing 
he was out injured in that series uh, but apart from that if i look at their squad they have batsmen like tamim iqbal who opens for them uh, liton das somi sarkar the all-rounder mushfiqur rahim uh, specialist batsman mohammadullah of course sabir rahman uh, who made a century in that last match uh, and looking at bowlers actually uh, i see mushtafizur rahman robel hussein and uh, mehdi hasan and of course murtaza so I, it looks already balanced to me but uh, with with the addition of shakib al hasan i think uh, it probably will look a lot stronger yeah uh, although i i cannot yet see the you know the the set of players who will actually make the squad uh, and the mm-hmm. the 15 players who will make the squad but i think we will have an opportunity to evaluate this again uh, when they play the tri series i guess against uh, ireland and west indies later uh, exactly next month, in the month of may right yeah yeah that's a good point so you know may 5th they have a tri series beginning where they play with ireland and west indies in ireland so that will be very nice for them also as a preparatory thing right Mm. So, uh, this would end on the 17th, the final would be on the 17th and then we would get a good picture. But, you know, you've mentioned a good point. You already counted that these 11 were looking sort of very good, right? And mm. then you would add Shakib Al-Hassan and maybe Taskeen Ahmed, right? The fast Which bowler. Space, yeah. this, mm-hmm. Right? So, that would give them a very strong 13. Then maybe they have place for one additional, uh, you know, batsman. Najmul Hassan and Shanto looks like a good guy or Mossadegh Hussain who sort of missed out in this tor- in this tournament against uh, you know uh, New Zealand I would sort of punt Mossadegh Hussain because he's sort of up and coming and they, he has a lot of pedigree right mm-hmm. and they may choose a backup opener because Lytton Das uh, though he opened with uh, Tamim Iqbal Tamim Iqbal is a feature there that's not going to yeah. change but Lytton Das is the keeper so Lytton Das yeah. is the uh, first choice keeper but then he can also be like the main keeper, but you have Mushfiq or Rahim. Sorry, they don't need another keeper there. But what about this guy, Imrul Kais? Yes. Uh, he's so the that, that's what there, I was right? coming about. So, uh, sorry, <laughs> I stole your words. <laughs> no, no, it's not a problem. So, Imrul Kais or Shadman Islam, right? These uh-huh. two guys, Shadman yeah. Islam opens for them in tests. Yeah. But, you know, they may look at one backup opener. So, Imrul Kais is, mm. was indeed whom I was sort of thinking about. Or, mm. you know, Mohammed Mithun, mm. who sort of sometimes... Uh, plays in the middle order and probably is more comfortable, more feels more at home in the middle order. He was mm-hmm. not on this lineup mm-hmm. in the last one day, if you look at it. So my opinion, if you take this 11 that mm-hmm. played against uh, last match against New Zealand, you add uh, Shakib Hassan, probably Mohammed mm-hmm. Mithun, and yes. uh, you know I, I would actually bunt on taking Nasrul Hussain Shanto. Uh, sorry, um, uh, Shatman uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Probably yeah. Shadman Islam. But uh, we'll have to see. But I think if I were to look at it that way, they would probably go for Mosadik Hussain as the 15th player. So, as I said, we have a 13 mm. uh, with, uh, you know, that 11, Shakib Al-Hassan and Taskin Ahmad. Then you have one opener who would probably be Shadman Islam, but maybe Imrul Kais, you know. Out of these two, one will get picked. Mm-hmm. And the last player on the squad would be either Mohammed Mithun or Mosadik Hussain. This is my 15 for Bangladesh. Mm-hmm. Sort of a 15 for Bangladesh in the World Cup. This is my, you know, yeah. guess 15. So now, if you were to look at their uh, matches that they would play in the World Cup, so this is a, you know, round robin league 1992 World Cup format. We've mm. been discussing that every team will get nine matches for sure, right? Mm. So when you look at it, maybe you know, um, let me first ask you, Giri. Out <laughs> of these nine matches, let's go through it match by match, and maybe I would like to hear. How many matches Bangladesh would win, you think? Okay. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so the first match they play is against uh, South Africa mm-hmm. at the Oval in London, right? right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I would <laughs> go with South Africa uh, winning this match. So you can, um, you, you're going to put that down. Okay. Uh, the next match they play is against uh, New Zealand, also the same ground, the Oval. Mm-hmm. Uh, New Zealand and Bangladesh, they had a good series last time around. I think New Zealand will uh, come up trumps here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next match is against England at uh, Rose Bowl, uh, mm-hmm. Cardiff. Um, I would give England every chance here of winning this game. Um, next match against Sri Lanka at Bristol. Uh, that's a bit of an iffy for me. Looking at Sri Lanka's current form in the ODI cricket, it can mm-hmm. be, it can go either way. Uh, let's just say it goes with uh, Bangladesh. Bangladesh will come up uh, uh, with a victory there. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that, we have Bangladesh playing against West Indies uh, mm-hmm. at the county ground. I don't know where that is, county ground. Do you know where that is? I'm not is sure, Durham? actually. No, I'll have to see. It could be because I don't see Durham here. It could be the county ground at Durham, indeed. Yeah. 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 So uh, that would be, yeah, West Indies and Bangladesh. West Indies is probably doing well, I think, with uh, Chris Gale also coming into their team now. Um, West Indies, yeah, I would go with West Indies. And um, Trent Bridge, at uh, Trent Bridge, they play against Australia. Australia will uh, probably win that. Mm-hmm. Um, at AJS Bowl, uh, they play against Afghanistan. This is going to be a cracker, Bangladesh against Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to you know, I'm going to plumb for uh, Afghanistan. Afghanistan will, I think, uh, mm-hmm. do well here. Um, the right. next one will be against India uh-huh. at uh, Edgebaston, Birmingham. Okay. Um, yeah, I think India should still be able to win this. They have they are the number two side in the world, so uh, should be okay. And the fa- last match uh, that Bangladesh play again in this round robin format is against Pakistan, Cracker. Mm-hmm. Another cracker, and this will be at the Lords, so right home of cricket. Um, it's it's it can go either way. I think uh, on their day, Bangladesh can still uh, beat Pakistan. So right. I, will, I will go with Bangladesh. All right. So that makes it. Uh, so how many did I get? Um, so I think Bangladesh against Sri Lanka. I went for that, mm-hmm. and um, Bangladesh against Pakistan. Right. So those two were mine. And Afghanistan, I said Afghanistan would win. So two for Bangladesh, two wins for Bangladesh. All right. So if I were to look at this myself, so one small correction there. The county ground is Taunton. It's Somerset. Taunton, okay. Yeah. Oh, the play, place where uh, I think Ganguly made that 183. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, with uh, Rahul Dravid, they put up a 300-plus partnership against uh, exactly. Sri Lanka. It's a smallish ground and uh, it's a batter, batter's paradise. But I think there's a moment at the beginning. So, but... You know what? Um, in one of the upcoming episodes, let us let us also look at each of these grounds a bit more. I think we can build it up as we go along. Yeah. Yeah. So my guess for Bangladesh, I'm going to be a bit harsh here. I'm <laughs> going to give them three wins. I'm going to be a bit harsh against Afghanistan. Oh, okay. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't see in the first three matches them winning a single match. The Bangladesh versus Sri Lanka, I agree with you. Let's say West Indies versus Bangladesh is on the knife's edge. Pakistan versus Bangladesh is on the knife's edge for me. So mm-hmm. between these two, I would say they would clinch one of those. So that will give them three wins, maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? This is my, but I don't see them really qualifying to the next round as well. So I think we were discussing it already previously. Yeah. I think the minimum requirement would be five wins to qualify for the next 
stage, any team that clinches five wins would be more or less certain that they would qualify. Right? Yeah, yeah. So with this in mind, I don't see Bangladesh qualifying for the knockouts. But I think, uh, let's ask our uh, listeners and our friends online. You know, I think we mm-hmm. can start a poll and we can also confirm like what we did for Afghanistan. Let's also make a poll and let's see what we have to say. But uh, just to mention that, on Twitter, mm-hmm. about 40% of the people that voted on our polls felt that Afghanistan cannot uh, qualify beyond the knockouts. And 60% of the people or hopeful Afghanistan may make it. So it's, you know, it's interesting. Let's see how it goes, right? I think we can also ask our friends online and maybe we get another opinion there. All yeah, right, sure. yeah. uh, that was, a, I think, a comprehensive coverage of Bangladesh chances, right? Do you have anything to add, Giri? Uh, no, do they play again? That's. I'm just trying to look at their uh, itinerary. If they play again, uh, yeah, they, they, of course, play with uh, West Indies and Ireland yeah. in the month of May, so in a, in a month and a half from now. Uh, that should give them uh, a better view on who their 15, uh, you know, squad 15 should be. Um, so we can probably have a look at that when they do when they play that series uh, in our future podcast and we'll see. Uh, yeah. So right. th- I think it's going to be interesting. Let's see. For now, I think uh, we're good. We could go right. on to the next. Now, mm-hmm. let's quickly look at the some of the other topics from the cricketing world. Outside the uh, outside of the game or outside of the ground topics, right? So the first and the most important one was that uh, you know we were discussing that the cricket West Indies uh, board elections were coming up, and maybe you know Dave Cameron was uh, not in a good position to retain his presidency, and that was exactly what happened. So Ricky Skerritt, who was who has been a manager with the West Indian cricket team for a while, and also was the member of the CWI board, has been elected as the next president of the CWI. Right. Yep. So I think there was this was time for winds of change for uh, uh, cricket West Indies, right? And uh, uh, Kishore Shallow, who was his running mate, has been elected as the vice president. So uh, I think we might see some you know change in uh, West Indian cricket where you know uh, Ricky Skerritt is a very good friend of many of the disenfranchised West Indian cricketers, be they Darren Sami, mm-hmm. Kieran Pollard. No, so I think we may have to see, we may have to keep a careful eye on this, how it develops. But maybe some of these disenfranchised players might be tempted back into the fold by this new president, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, also, some of the way he has handled the, you know, the completion of the Phil Simmons courtroom saga, which we had discussed in the previous episode, shows that you know he has personally apologized to Phil Simmons. Is what we get to hear. So there's one thing that you know. You pay out the money that has been decided by the court, but a president of a cricket board actually apologizing personally, the personal touch really counts, right? I think this might be a good thing, uh, for really a good thing for West Indian cricket, and we really hope Ricky Skerritt can bring a lot of consistency and you know clarity to how these processes are happening, mm. right? And some of these disenfranchised players may come back, and it will be all the good for the West Indian team, right? Some yeah. of those real stalwarts of the one-day and T20 arena that have chosen to leave themselves out. The test team is mm. shaping up really nicely under Jason Holder. Mm. But these short-format cricket teams could really uh, use the boost, right? Yeah. Let's see how that goes. All right, yeah. that's the first point. The next one is that, well, I mean, uh, Balinga, who sort of uh, who sort of in and out of the Sri Lankan team and had to prove his fitness, etc., etc., has now sort of indicated that he would like to continue playing well into 2020. He would like to represent Sri Lanka in the T20 World Cup in 2020. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And after that, he may consider retiring. But he has sort of hinted 
that uh, for ODIs, he might sort of retire after 2019 mm. World Cup already. Mm. What do you think, Giri? Is this a force on the way in or? Um, I think he probably has uh, not a lot of ODI cricket left in him. We just saw what happened uh, with the previous tour uh, in South Africa, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. they lost a lot of matches on the trot. Right. Um, so it's probably out of necessity that he's in the team right now because I don't mm-hmm. think they have a good bowling lineup in the right. ODI squad. They they have good bowlers, of course, but like Kasun Rajita and uh, Suranga Lakmal. I don't I don't think he plays in the ODI squad, uh, or he's he does. No, he does when he's fit. But when um, he's fit, yeah. So. So yeah. I think they need that stability and also that experience uh, which he brings with him, uh, Malinga. Right. So he's probably there as a necessity, like I said. Uh, and him playing in the T20 World Cup in 2020, why not? I think he will be probably 37 by then. And he's he's not so bad in uh, IPL right now. If you look at what he did uh, mm-hmm. against uh, Bangalore, I think in that in that match, you know, that controversial no ball. Exactly. It was quite good. And him and Bumrah, they were bowling really well in that match. Uh, kind of, you know, master and the apprentice. Uh, good one. Death bowling. Yeah. Uh, and Malinga is still good. He may not have that much of pace like he had in the past. He, I don't think he can bowl consistently at 140 plus, but he's there in the mid-130s and thereabouts. So his uh, presence in the squad, I think, is a real uh, boost for the mm-hmm. Sri Lankan uh, uh, cricket team. Right. Um, but I think it's it's a fair uh, call from him that him choosing to retire after uh, the World Cup, ODI World Cup, and then continue on to play the T20 World Cup in 2020, which will be home conditions for him. Right? Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. so I think it's a good call. Indeed. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, I, I'm, I'm all for it, but we know that sometimes the Sri Lankan cricket board has its own ideas, right? So, I, I'm just hoping there won't be any knee-jerk decisions, you know, in the future. Uh-huh. Like they do with, for example, Chandimal. He's in and out of the team. You know, right, we can go right. on about that. But, yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, let's see how it goes. But, I mean, all said and done, I think uh, Sri Lanka would do well to utilize this. I mean, let's be clear about it. He's a legend of the game as far as they're concerned, right? Mm. So, they would do well to utilize him as much as possible. Look at how Mashrafi Murtaza's injuries and his longevity has been handled by Bangladesh Cricket Board, mm. right? So mm-hmm. I think the Sri Lankan cricket board could take a leaf out of that yeah. right? and make sure they use Malinga in a similar manner so that his uh, contributions are maximized of, and for the best of betterment of the team. right? Mm-hmm. So this mm-hmm. is something they could learn from it. But okay, that's a good point you have. Yeah. So the last point I would like to bring up is that, well, Imran Khan, the pri- Prime Minister of Pakistan, who's also the chief patron of PCB, right, has rejected the plan that has been put forward by PCB's, uh, you know, the Domestic Cricket Committee, which has been read by uh, Harun, uh, Harun Rashid. So they have sort of said this, uh, he's not happy about it. He says, mm-hmm. so just to go about it in a little bit more detail, currently there are 16 teams that are participating in the highest level, the Qaeda Azam Trophy, the first class trophy, right? So then uh, he asked the domestic uh, board to come up with a better plan for the upcoming series or the upcoming seasons. And they came up with a plan where there were eight teams proposed, right? Mm -hmm. And they were all regional teams. And the departments, so you have Pakistan Airlines, Pakistan International Airlines, you have Habib Bank and one more. So these three are the big, let's say, departments that have always been pumping in money into the Pakistan cricket. And they sort of keep the first class setup afloat there. So, but Pakistan's, it looks like Imran Khan feels the Pakistan's uh, domestic setup could uh, take a different approach. It could take a leaf out of the 
Australian approach where there are only six teams or even five teams, right? But a very strong competition between these six teams. So what he has suggested is instead of making eight teams, he's asked for six provisional team tournament where there'd be two teams from Punjab, one, one is from Sindh, KPK, Khyber Pakhtunkhwa, Baluchistan and Gilgil Baltistan. So, and he would say concentrate on making that players earning their way into the league or earning their way into the teams rather than having more teams. So this is how Australia does it. I was listening to an article or I was listening to an interview by a former Queensland coach who said, you know, Queensland and Victoria may not have a lot of players in the national team at any given point in time, but by giving good opposition or by making sure there are very tough oppositions in the local leagues and in the first class setup, they're making the Australian team stronger. This is probably the approach Imran Khan wants to follow as well, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's an interesting thought. So uh, because this guy has played in many leagues in his own time, he's played in Australia domestic cricket and so on. He probably brings a different outlook. But whether it's really relevant in the modern day, I don't know. Because, you know, WAPDA, the Habib Bank and PIA, these people have been supporting Pakistan's domestic cricket for many, many decades already. So maybe a balance has to be found. Let's see how it goes. Maybe we'll hear a bit more about it in the upcoming episodes, right? Right. All right. So, having said all that, I think uh, we are near the end of this podcast. So, uh, before we go into housekeeping, let's quickly look at the trivia question for this week. So, the trivia question for this week is, who is the only centurion for Bangladesh at the Cricket ODI World Cups? We just focused on Bangladesh's performances. So, we have very carefully left out a name while we discussed quite a lot of these things. If you paid attention to whom we did not mention, you probably know who is the centurion of the Bangladeshi uh, among Bangladeshis in the Cricket World Cup, right? Okay, mm-hmm. that's the question. So now, uh, well, guys, we would always request that you, you know, leave us a feedback, give us a good rating on whichever platform you follow us on. You can follow us on our Twitter handle or you can banter with us during live matches using our Twitter handle. It's at Pod. We have a nice Facebook page. We, we always post some, you know, trivia questions there, also some polls. So do help us out to come there and give us your opinions. Right. And we always, as we always request, you subscribe to our podcast. It shows whether our podcast is getting more and more, you know, likes out there and more and more people that like us. And also talk about it with your cricket uh, friends. If you want to participate in one of our podcasts as a guest, you're always welcome. Write into us at armchair.cricket at gmail.com. Right. So with that, uh, well, as I always say, we've come to the end of the latest episode, this one. And I would say it's a goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from him. Goodbye. You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast.